Dennis, we have a video component to this. So that's what you're wearing? Yeah. yeah. You're going with that? I forgot. You, you I forgot like, to get dressed up. I forgot my tuxedo. Sorry. You have like a 1,500 square foot closet, like right. outfit after outfit. You, did you, you, did you look in the mirror? But, yeah, but this is my style. Got it. You're a, a clothes horse. Okay. Yeah. Next time I'll get a little more dressed up for you. You look like you're straight out of the Lucky Brand catalog. It's fine. You do you, but... That's the new sponsor. You didn't know. I didn't know. Well, I, they should you. send me some stuff yeah. anyway. In the meantime, let's take the turn and head to the back nine. This is the back nine with Dennis Williams and Josh Mora. My friend, good to see you again. Good to see you too. How are things? Everything is great. No yeah. complaints. Living, I mean, you can have live, some complaints. No, I'm not complaining about really? anything. I don't complain anymore. Yeah, I, I do maybe get a little frustrated on, on 95 out here in Florida. It gets a little frustrating sometimes. The drivers in Florida, how about that? That's good. I, I have one complaint, just okay. one, because I've been traveling a little lately. And this is my only complaint. Everything in life is great, truly. <laughs> I I'm, couldn't be happier. People in airports, why is it people go to airports and they lose their minds getting in and out of the airport, walking around like they've never been in an airport, stopping like at the top of the escalator. There are people coming up the escalator behind you. Don't stop right there. Get out a little bit. This actually happened to me at LAX. Yeah, but, that was your problem. You were at LAX, which yes. is perfect segue to our, our guest who's coming up shortly. He la You hear him laugh, he so let's bring him, in. bring him in. All right, we're going to introduce our guest today. And our title of our show today is Your Script, No One Else's. And we are so happy to be joined by my longtime friend, Jim Rushton, and we always try to bring our people who have been involved in our broadcast careers, because those who don't know, Josh and I had two decades in the broadcast business back in the late 90s and 2000s. We were, but my original broadcast partner, before I even knew Josh, and I've known Josh for a long time, was Jim Rushton. He and I ran the campus radio station at Hamilton College. He was the general manager. I was the program director. Literally no one else was running that station, right? Except you and I, Jim. It was crazy. And I remember at graduation, you were doing stand-up for WUTR-TV. Was it KTV? KTV yeah, I was, doing, I was doing sports for WKTV in Utica. Yep. Me and you, Utica, and Dennis is in there, his cap and gown, and he's got the microphone, he's there doing a stand-up, and I was like, man, here I am. I don't even know what time I got home last night, and and we're going to graduate. <laughs> he's already got his stuff together. Dennis has got life all figured out as we're going yeah. through the pomp and circumstances of graduation. Jim, I think you've figured some things out along the yeah. way. Maybe not that day, but Jim, you're the uh, senior vice president with the uh, LA Chargers now, correct? I am. I've been here, yeah. knock on wood, going into our seventh season, hard to believe. May of 17 arrived, and it was 10 of us showed up and I was moving the NFL franchise in the second largest market in the country. And we're like, here we go. Let's go at it. And first five years were a blur. Year six was like, wow, six years. And then coming into year seven, I was like, we got to start getting ready for the 10th anniversary. Where's yeah. all the time gone? Yeah. Don't sell yourself short on the Hamilton general manager of our campus radio station. Because a little side note, you controlled my budget when I was on the road doing play-by-play and that was the best job I've ever had in my entire life. I could go to a Bowdoin hockey game, a gym. We had a budget, an actual budget. So while the hockey team had a curfew, I did not. And I was able to go out and spend it on whatever I wanted to. So I was on the road with a football team and the hockey team back in the day. 
and we controlled the budgets. We had our own money, and it was that was those were the yeah. days, man. I've never had a job that good. You're still famous in Brunswick, Maine. <laughs> exactly. You you can make you make twenty five bucks go really far. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say if you exactly. if you've only got a week to live, you should go to Brunswick, Maine, because it'll seem like forever, right? So. Anyway, Jim, we wanted to have you on because we're talking about the back nine, the second half of your life, and the title being It's Your Script, No One Else's. You have an amazing story and script, and the difference between you and and Josh and myself is that although we were married to our careers, we were also married raising a family during that time, and we have grown kids now, both of us, two girls that are, if not out of college, almost out of college and, and grown and your second chapter has been about the family now. And your first chapter is just amazing. So take us through that whole process of that challenge of knowing you wanted a family, but having this amazing life on the front end from Boston to Florida to now California. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I might be doing the front nine on the back nine. I'm just doing a reverse for you guys. <laughs> Some people do. Sometimes you tee off on number 10. It happens that way. Exactly. The front nine was crowded. So I just went to the back nine and, and started <laughs> backers. But it's been an interesting journey. And I always say it's a journey. And I got out of college and didn't know what I was going to do and went back to my hometown. I was like, oh, I'm going to be stuck in my hometown the rest of my life. I ended up getting a job about a year later in Boston, starting out in radio and didn't know how to sell, didn't know how to sell advertising, didn't know how to sell radio, and had no idea how to sell a female-based radio station. And just got involved a year later and became a very avid reader early on. And then two years in, got a chance to move over to the sports station. And had no intention of getting into sports. I wanted to be in media, but thought we could build something special. And next thing you know, another 13 years go by in Boston. And just between five trips to the Super Bowl, two World Series, two NBA championships, Ryder Cup, a lot of different incredible all-star game, incredible events happened in this 13-year period. It was a complete blur of work became the hobby, became play, everything just melded together. And I was just having the time of my life. And we built a really solid business in Boston around the Red Sox, Celtics, and Patriots and sports radio WEI. I would say on the personal front, it was just life and work blended together as one. So there was really no separation. And then one day the chief operating officer of the Boston Red Sox said to me, he was announced as the chief executive officer of the Miami Dolphins said, so I'm at Fenway Park at a Yankees game and I congratulated him. And he said, Hey, why don't you come down to Miami and help me rebuild this franchise? And I was like, ah, oh, I'm never going to leave Boston. And he, he said, I want you to come down and work with me in Miami. And I think I was 39 at the time and said, talked to the family and talked to friends. And they were like, you've done about all you can do here in Boston with this operation you're involved in. It's probably time for something new. And so I decided to go. And I think that was a pivotal moment for me when I got the one-way ticket to Miami. And you're like, whoa, this sounds like the most ultimate career opportunity and so literally everything in life got shifted pretty quickly. And I think at that moment, I realized there's a lot more to life than just the work part of it. But I knew I also had to prove myself in Miami. So I put my head down into work. And I would say my 40th birthday party was a weekend getaway with a lot of friends in Nantucket. And it was Labor Day weekend. And also a hurricane hit. I got to Nantucket. And so I remember having dinner that night. 
And I was like, there's more to life than just this. And that just started to broaden my horizon and really started the path of personal growth while I was having a lot of professional growth, but a lot of personal growth. I said, I'm at this point, I'm 40. I don't want this to be my life for the rest of my life. So went on, did the Miami thing, and that lasted for four years. And then a leadership change there. And it was another kind of pivotal moment. And I was like, time out. I need a minute. And took a moment to reflect and got a call the next morning from New York Jets. And they were like, fly here on Monday, come to New York. And another pivotal moment. And I moved back to Boston, made a decision. I'm going to go back to Boston and reset from there. I was 43 at the time. And I said, I got to re-explore what I really want to do. I was very peculiar about what would be the next job and where would it be. I landed up landing an opportunity with IBM. So I was back in Boston. I was back in a sports-related position. And every Thursday, I'd figure out where I was going to go in the next week. Went to this MIT Sports Analytic Conference. People on Thursday were like, what did you do today? I was like, I was in London and for the day. And I literally said to myself, I don't even know where I am right now. And this is not for the long haul. And then I met my wife and we started dating for several months. And longer than I knew right at that point, Katie was going to be the one. And the next thing you know, I got a call to go spend some time with the LA Chargers and flew out, met with the folks here. They're talking about moving the team. And it's just a professional challenge. This is a personal challenge, personal opportunity. I was unsure at different points. And my wife said, let's go do it. She was at that time, my girlfriend, we've been dating for seven months or so. And she was, let's go. And so we moved to California, but I had known all along that she would become my wife and landed in California. We got engaged in June. We literally had to start working on the franchise, getting the temporary stadium set up working on the brand new building in SoFi Stadium. And then we got married the following year in 2018. 2020 hits, we have our first daughter. Now we've got myself, Katie, and Alice, our daughter. And then Maisie appears and is born in 2022. That's wild. And I'll tell you, it's a lot of learnings through there. I think what you gave us there was the self-reflection, the self-awareness, the understanding of having to make the shift. We always try to uh, have people have different takeaways. And one of the things that stood out to me that you said during that is, is that you read a lot. And you and I talked about that yesterday. You have three things from Ryan Holiday that you take away. Maybe you could tell our listeners what those three things are that stick with you that are so important. Those are just three great takeaways. Sure. I always believe that you can read your way through anything. So if you have a problem or a challenge, you can, there's some sort of a book or an article or periodical out there from Ryan Holiday. Someone introduced me to him in 2017 or 2018, and he's written a bunch of books. And he wrote about, about stoicism a lot, but really in 2017, where my life was, the, there was a, a lot of dynamics in my life. All of a sudden I was going from just being professionally focused to having to care for someone else, my wife, and then I have this major project going on was prioritize compartmentalize and scale. Everything that I was doing is continually prioritized to reprioritize either personally or professionally. And then compartmentalize is gonna be moments that are really high and moments that are very low. They could come in the same day, they could come in the same hour, they could come in the same five minute period and continuing to compartmentalize. And then the scale part of it was really about how do I learn from the past or learn from the events and not having to repeat the same effort over and over again, expecting a different result? 
And so I think that you hit upon it, the self-awareness. I don't know how self-aware I was when you think about your family, your work, and then your extended family or your own health. I wasn't fully aware. And I think prioritize, compartmentalize, and scale has helped me a lot. Let's take a quick break. The Back Nine podcast is brought to you in part by Three Bridges Consulting. And look, I'm sitting across from one of the founders. At their core, Three Bridges are storytellers. They bring your brand to life with high quality video and rich still photography, and they can help elevate your brand by finding the right distribution channels for the content they produce. So visit threebridgesconsulting.co. That's the number three, bridgesconsulting.co for more. Now back to the show. Jim, so much of your story is probably different. It's certainly different from other guests that we've had on to this point. And it's probably different from much of our audience. I want to go back to the moment when you decided to leave your hometown, right? Where you'd lived the beginning of your adult life. A lot of people struggle with that moment, whether they're attached or unattached. Just the idea that they're going to leave everything that they have built. Can you go through the emotions of that or what you were feeling at the time, why you decided that was the right move for you to go to South Florida? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think for me, there was a lot of emotion. We started our conversation in the summer with the CEO. I reached back out in the, in the early September and then he said, I have this problem. What are your thoughts? And he called me back and said, you need to be on a plane here. You need to be here for Monday night football. So I went down and visited. Even that visit threw me off. Okay, am I going to move? And then I got invited back down again to meet more people in the staff, to meet the owner. And I said, I'm bringing my three friends with me because they're going to help me make the decision, my three best friends. And they're like, go do this. And so I relied heavily on them. And I'll, I'll never forget this. We were there for the game. After I'd done all my meetings and they said, okay, you're going to go meet Mr. Ross who owns the dolphins at halftime and spend a few minutes with him. And my friends are having the time of their lives. They can't believe this. They're in a big suite and they're again, field passes and all that. And they send me to Mr. Ross and I, Mr. Ross, really nice meeting. And he says, so when are you going back? I said, we're going to have to fly back tonight. And he's like, why don't you ride with me on my plane? And I said, I have my three friends with me. And he's like, oh, don't, how many is three? He says, that's counting on his fingers. And he says, I think we can fit them. And I was like, you don't know my friends. We're not putting them <laughs> on your private plane. So they encouraged me quite a bit. So we, we flew commercial back, but they encouraged me quite a bit. And then I'll never forget, there was a conversation I had with my brother. And finally, it was like this precipice, like, I got to make a decision. And he said, he pulled out a Bill Parcells quote. He was, you can do anything you set your mind to, but you can always go back to radio, the career I had. And then the next day I got up and was like, I'm going to do this. I was nervous as hell. And I'll never forget the other pieces. I'd lived in Boston time for 16 years and I'd never run the Freedom Trail. And I was always a runner. And so I just went out and ran the Freedom Trail and I ran all around Boston and landed back at the Green Dragon. And I'm like, I need a beer. And I walked to the Green Dragon. I sat down and I ordered a beer and I'm all sweating and everything. And and I looked up and there's a, I think it's Benjamin Franklin quote above the bar, the, the Green Dragon, which is the oldest bar in Boston. And it said, 
It's not the years in the life, it's the life in the years. And that just hit me as a reflective moment and said, I don't know if it's a sign or what it is, but you gotta, you're doing this. And th there was another piece of the guys who started Life is Good. There's a friend of mine who actually works here in LA who, who moved out here 20 years before me. And I called him and I said, what do you think? And he said, I'll tell you what John and Bird from Life is Good told me. When I moved, he was same thing, Worcester guy, Boston guy, moved to LA, said, that's why they make airplanes. Yep. Oh yeah. I love that. I love that expression too. A question about Katie, Jim. So she supported the move to California. How important was that to you? And would it have happened if she didn't? It was extremely important and it wouldn't have happened if she did it. I was like, you know what? I, I, the living on the plane, I'll figure that out. This was obviously a terrific opportunity, but very early on, she and I had that conversation. And then conversation progressed here. She and I made a couple of trips out as well. So when you're making those choices, because again, Josh and I have very different experiences. We were married very young and we're making second choices now for partners and things like that as you move on and new relationships and stuff. You say, had you ever said this is the one before or was she the one and there was something about it? I just find that so fascinating. You have all this life experience that we didn't have. I feel like the person I'm with now is the one because I have all of this life experience and I even have a divorce yeah. to back it up, right? You probably feel like a few of your relationships, you actually went through a divorce without going through it, I would imagine. And then, yeah. and that's how you know that this is the one, right? Is that your second, your back nine or your second half is the front nine, but you have a lot of experiences, maybe not divorces, but other situations that help inform that. Yeah, that's a great question. I think I had the ones right now versus the one when you used and I think a lot of that drove through the awareness and or my lack of awareness and lack of communication or understanding and all back in my 30s there was a very nice person I dated for a period of time and it came up to Christmas time my friends and family all joke about the story is she thought she was going to be getting an engagement ring at Christmas and she was training for the Boston Marathon and so I bought her a running suit and I would say that that Christmas did not go over so well, nor did New Year's, nor did the holidays after it. But that was just probably on me being so career oriented at that point. We were just on different wavelengths. But when I met Katie, it was, it was definitive. Although maybe the last one was on her. Maybe she had expectations that were unrealistic right. at the time, given where you were in, in your career. So what changed yeah. for you? I'm sure Katie in her own right is spectacular. I don't know her. But inside of you, what changed that made you say, because I think this is valuable for anybody, whether they're first nine, front nine, back nine, doing it the second time, whatever it is, that we go through things where we recognize, okay, I'm ready for this step in a relationship. Mm -hmm. So what was it for you really doing it the first time to take the step to get married that was inside you that made you realize I'm at a point where I'm ready to do this? It was a recognition of the awareness of the full pie of life and that there's more to it than the work. Most of my career, work and play blended right together. And it was like work was a hobby. And a lot of my very close friends to this day were all people I worked with. There was one part was that. Another part was watching my brothers and sister and their families grow up and just thinking I probably need to be more than the fun uncle in life. And a lot of people play that role very well. And probably also saying, you know what, I, I want to have someone to spend all the time with. I, I want to have a legacy in kids and, and take on that challenge. And it is a challenge of raising kids and 
do I want my legacy to end? Do I have enough to give to others beyond family and friends being children or to a wife? That's terrific. Before we go, Jim, one last uh, question for you. If you could leave our listeners with sort of your thoughts on something that might help them who are struggling in the second half of their lives on finding that happiness and finding that complete pie, because some people don't find it. They stay with two thirds of the pie and they don't get this last slice that you're getting in the second half and they have to live without it. So what would be your advice for somebody who's stuck there in that moment when they're looking for that last slice to have that family and that, that complete finish to their, to their back nine? I never really heard this phrase before. But then I've heard it so many times in the past few years, and maybe COVID drove it. They tell you on the flight is put the mask on yourself first before you put it on the person next to you. And I think that is a, a lot of different things. It's while you are taking care of family and friends and spouses and children, you also can remember to take care of yourself. Even if you haven't found the family, friends, or spouse yet, it's still part of taking care of yourself. That analogy of the mask is putting yourself and then or be able to help others too. And, and that really having that mindfulness and that awareness is your responsibility to yourself. The mindfulness that you practice for yourself actually will greatly benefit others. And, and don't be afraid of that. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I will tell you, it's so great to have the connection that we have from Hamilton College. It was such a small school and you have friends there and, and Josh knows because he went to Amherst. Actually, Jim, you'll appreciate this. He texted me the other day that Amherst beat Hamilton 17-14. And I said, the only three things I'm sure of every single year are death, taxes, and that Hamilton will have a <laughs> shitty football team. Those are guarantees in the <laughs> world, right? They've never been good. So anyway, but it really is an amazing thing to have that connection that I can call you up after a couple of years of not talking and we can yeah. literally spend an hour together. And we appreciate so much you imparting your wisdom and your life experiences for our listeners because there was so much great stuff here that people can take away for their lives. So thank you. Yeah, really great to meet you and uh, wishing the best for the Bolts. Awesome. Thank you both. It was great and uh, a lot of fun. It's a wild life and just take it at your own pace. And if you have to hit, hit reset. Awesome. Take care. Thanks so much, Jim. Talk to you later. See you guys. All right. Bye. What an interesting life. Yeah, so fascinating. And it was why I suggested we have him because it's so different than us. We were in the media, right? He had that amazing career at WEI in Boston and Intercom Radio. And we were in broadcasting at the same time, but he was solely focused on that career growth while we were doing both, kind of yeah. doing that and raising families. So what are your takeaways? I've got two Number one, I cannot imagine having children as small as he does, considering that he works for the Chargers. Chasing around a three-year-old and a one-year-old is probably more futile than trying to chase Patrick Mahomes. There's so many things to take away from him. But I think understanding that there are points in your life that are going to be pivotal points, that we have to pay attention to those moments, recognize that there are moments and big decisions that we can affect the course of our lives. Life is not something that should happen to us, right? When we have the opportunity to make a decision, make a conscious decision. Really explore it. Lean into your confidants to help you make the decision if you need to, even if you know yourself. You have to know yourself. But, you know, you have over your life accumulated people that are important to you and who know your values and who want the best for you. 
And sometimes they can help you see things more clearly than others. And I think about how he was making the decision to go to South Florida. I think that would have been a very difficult decision if you've been successful and you have your friends and your family is nearby to say, I am going to take this challenge. And I give him incredible plaudits for doing that because it opened up opportunities again later in his life because he made the decision to, to move. And that's a perfect segue for one of my biggest takeaways is you can always go back. That's something that we lived in a very provincial place in Buffalo for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And we know very provincial people that don't like to leave their comfort zones. And I would say that you can always go back. There, there's a big world out there. And I'm so glad I've imparted that on my girls. They know that having done the big move to California and all of the spreading their wings, I well, the one thing I can tell you that I taught my kids and the number one thing you can teach your kids is let them go because they can always come back, right? And they will come back. So I really thought that was great. And it's not the years of the life, but the life of the years was, right. was amazing. To a Ben Franklin quote, my grandfather, I'm a direct descendant, so we have to bring that up. <laughs> so I love that quote. That says it all. And then I'd never heard it put this way. And, and that's why I brought it up at the end with him is he was missing one slice of the pie. And he added that and filling out that whole pie of your life. And that, that's a great way to think about it. Do you have all the slices of the pie in your life? And I'm going to actually take that one away because I want to know if I have them all. And when you finish that 18th hole, you want to have that pie complete. I, I want to have some pie right now. <laughs> let's we, do it. Let's get some pie and let's some coffee. Pie. All let's right. We're going to go get a slice, maybe some key lime because we're in South Florida. And we'll see all of you next time on The Back Nine. Thank you so much for listening to the Back Nine Podcast. Please follow and share and leave us a five-star rating and a review. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred platform. The Back Nine is produced by Janine Stella and recorded at Pixelworks Studios in Delray Beach, Florida.